as I was considering the subject of my Christmas sermon this year, I decided I would talk on the subject of silence. And then I said to myself, well, Richard, that would be fairly easy. But then the more I reflected on it, the more I realized how difficult a challenge it was. And then I came down with bronchitis, threatening to turn into laryngitis. You get the picture. Every year, a small group of religious and parishioners of the diocese gather up at the Bishop's Ranch in Healdsburg, California, for the silent days of Advent, which they observe for an entire week. I've had the privilege for the past two years to go up there for at least 24 hours and experience that with them. These are profoundly faithful folk who gather in silence and spend much of their day in prayer and meditation and reading. And they have a spoken word briefly in the morning and say Eucharist together a little bit later in the day, but most of the day is spent in that reflective, collective silence. And it reminded me this year of what we sing every Christmas that beautiful hymn put together by Franz Buber all those centuries ago, Silent Night, Holy Night. What does it mean to acquaint silence with holiness? Well, if your household is like mine with small children in it, silence and holiness are right there. Right there, aren't they? But if truth be told, it's much more profound than that, isn't it? Silence is that sort of thing that my wife, my beloved wife, once remarked on when she said, I can be quiet with you to me. And looking back on it, that is probably one of the most loving things she has ever said to me. I can be quiet, I can be silent with you. Because if you think about silence for very long, you realize that silence is in fact quite terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Because the first thing we encounter when we meet silence is our monkey brain. Chatter, chatter, chatter. You know what I mean. Is yours going right now? Mine is. Yeah. It's always off somewhere else or figuring something out or pushing ahead. Most of us in southern Marin give our monkey brain a lot of work to do during the day. And many of us speak out of our monkey brain a lot of the time. It's easier than silence because it, it just chatters automatically. right? That's the first thing we encounter. The second thing is much harder. And that is a God who is silent. Let me say that again to you. A God who is silent. Have you ever thought much about a silent God and what it means to have one? If that doesn't terrify you, just let, let me terrify you with it. 
think about the obvious choices we have when we encounter a God who is silent. One of them is for us simply to walk away. Who needs a silent God? Most of us want a God who responds to us when we ask a question. A God who gives us an answer when we have a prayer, no matter how heartfelt or how simple or, or how logical or how needful. It doesn't matter. We want a God who answers us. But frequently, if we are listening carefully, what we encounter is silence. That is terrifying enough, but perhaps even more terrifying than that is our temptation then to project upon God whatever we want to hear. Many of us do that by default if we're not careful, and we claim we are hearing God's voice because we cannot stand the idea that God is silent. And so the temptation is to project our ego or whatever idea we have onto God and then believe that that is God speaking to us. That's really dangerous stuff. Does it terrify you? It terrifies me. But this night we talk about silent night, holy night. It's as though we need to remain with the silence long enough without projecting our own ego onto it or without walking away from it to really perceive what is happening in our midst and to understand actually that silence is the most natural state of things. Not the noise we hear in the commercial world or when we turn on the box, whether it's connected to the internet or not. Not the chattering monkey mind in our heads. Silence is the dominant natural state of the universe. Think about all of that space between the stars and the even greater space between galaxies and clusters of galaxies, the enormous voids that make up the universe. And if you're not a science fiction geek like me, think of things small. Think of particles of matter. If you blow up an atom real big, its outer boundary would probably be the size of Marin County, and its nucleus would be about the size of my fist. Everything else is silent space. We are mostly silence. Did you ever realize that? We think we're solid, but we're not. Silence is the natural state of things. And most of God's creation is made up of silence. What does it mean then to call that silence holy this night of all nights? 
nearly seven centuries ago, the Dominican theologian, philosopher, and mystic Eckhart von Hochheim, who is known to some of us as Meister Eckhart, offered a sermon on Jesus' birth, on what theologians call the Incarnation, where he quotes an obscure passage from the Book of the Wisdom of Solomon this way, When all things lay in the midst of silence, then leapt there down into me from on high, from the royal throne, a secret word. Eckhart, long before contemporary physics or cosmology, posited that at the very core of who we are, the very center of our soul, he says, is an unattainable, unreachable place of silence. A place where none of our words or thoughts can reach or affect, no music sounds. It is completely silent. And I would perhaps reflect that he suggests that the only way for us to reach that place in ourselves or see it is to be silent on the outside and to listen to the silence of the universe and see it reflected in ourselves and glimpse that place within where no logic or reason can touch. There, he argues, is where Jesus is born, where God comes and enters. And it's a comforting thought, really, because we can't make it happen. Nothing we can do or think or say, no amount of cleverness, no amount of righteousness even, can make Jesus be born in the center of our being. It is only the silence, the primordial silence, that was there before even all of this was created. That is the true manger where God enters in. Maybe that's what we mean this night when we say silent night, holy night. I don't know if Franz Buber ever reflected on Eckhart's musings, but he certainly captured the essence of Eckhart's ideas. And perhaps the essential meaning of this night where silence is holy, like stars in their silent glory, or the realization that something as small as a baby born in an obscure part of the world there is an event of such significance that we can only be silent in response to it. In Jesus born, God says, I am here, closer even than our most mindful and attentive breath. Jesus born, God says, I am here, 
in all our joys and our suffering and our laughter and our sorrow and our life and the vast bulk of our existence in death which is silent. Jesus born, God says, I am here in that silence that frightens and awes us it fills the empty places in the tiniest fragments of creation the yawning voids between gossamer strings of galaxies. So maybe the good news tonight is we no longer need to fear silence, within or without. Rather, we are called to embrace it. It's the place where God is born, where angels gather, shepherds sing, and Mary keeps her vigil. It's where the song of a new creation begins. The start of a new dawn, a new day in our hearts. And all we have to do to accept it is be silent. Be silent. Be holy. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorNV.org That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G We wish you God's peace and we hope to greet you in person very soon.